Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast. Uh, it's been a while, but I am still Ed Malian, uh, sports editor of The Independent. Uh, and after two weeks off, uh, I'd like to thank uh, my trusty deputies who stood in for me, including the man to my right, Jack Pitbrook. You're welcome, Ed. I really enjoyed it. No, it was. Uh, I enjoyed both the podcasts while I was away, actually. I thought, uh, as ever, Duncan Alexander was a great guest last week. I thought um, you and Johnny filled in majestically. And uh, there was some interesting discussion, uh, including, but not limited to, uh, the man to my immediate left as well, Miguel Delaney. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Okay, a little bit tired, but you know, yeah, no, always ready, always ready, always ready. Um, I think we we've had a fairly busy week of football since the last podcast. Uh, Everything has changed. <laughs> City are yes. now no longer. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Manchester City, in case you haven't heard, now a bad team. Frauds. Uh, <laughs> Frauds. Thirteen points clear at the top of the Premier League. Um, you do wonder if they can improve, especially after Ander Herrera spat on their badge. Um, so there's a lot to talk about. Uh, Manchester United, five wins in a row in the Premier League, uh, came back from behind to beat City. It was the second derby, but the only derby worth talking about on Saturday because we should just say now we're not going to talk about the Merseyside one, right? Terrible game. Yeah, it was, it was basically just a game that both teams wanted to get get over with. So, well, maybe not. Actually, now Everton probably too, given their... Uh, a French friend who, who watched the game uh, texted me saying, C'était un match nul, uh, which you can work out what that means. Not very good. So Manchester City, Manchester United, uh, Miguel, you were there. Yeah. Talk to me. Um, <laughs> Most important thing to come out of it? Uh, I think... For the C- intriguing tactical switch from uh, Bernardo as a false nine at the start. And then exactly. That, that's actually the real take-home of the game. We, I mean, why, haven't, why haven't people covered this? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think actually, for, I mean... Going into the game, there were some accusations. It was built up as a derby that you know City were going to win the title anyway. Blah. It wasn't actually that important a game. Well, that was probably more United having to endure what was really a nightmare scenario. And yet, for United, it ended up being. I mean, there's, there's actually so much here. First of all, it's a City, despite this brilliant season, despite everything going so well, even even uh, the defeat to Liverpool notwithstanding. Um, you know they they responded to that with the, with the first half display, and yet they couldn't escape that inherent cityness because what should have been their great day ended up being one that one they'll never want to look back on, and the best possible outcome for United in the circumstances. Like it, it couldn't have gone better for United. How exactly did they fall apart in the second half? Like what what was the issue here? Was the issue that they they that you know it was the same defense as it was in the first half? The only thing was that they didn't get put under pressure in the first half. And then in the second half, it's a bit like Liverpool. Liverpool, Manchester City, I'd say you could argue have been, uh, I shouldn't say this because Man United are second, but Liverpool and City mm. over this season have seemed like the two most impressive teams to me. Both incredibly good attacking sides, but both, if you do put their defence under a bit of pressure, have looked fragile. Mm. 
So do you think it was just a case of, put, you know, in the first half, they didn't put the City defence under pressure. Second half, as soon as they did start probing at the weaknesses, that City collapsed a little. There's probably a bit more to it than that, even, I think. But when myself and Jack were discussing this, particularly in relation to uh, the Liverpool game as well, and this grand issue of Guardiola, and I think, like, yeah, Jack will probably elaborate on this, but there is definitely a bit of a trend now in Guardiola teams going right back to Barcelona, where when they suffer one bad patch, they don't just suffer a bad patch, they suddenly concede you know, two, three goals in very quick succession. And this seems to happen a lot. As for the reasons for it, I think it's a case of, because they're so good, and we all know, like, I mean, we all know the way they play and it necessitates a high line, um, and there is that defensive weakness, but it doesn't get exposed because they're usually so good and so unconfident. But it's as if once that confidence is ruptured, they suddenly think, oh, hang on, this, this is a bit of trouble. And they kind of lose their way a bit. While the other team, having been so kind of in awe of City's quality, suddenly realise, hang on, these have a soft centre and really go for it. I think it's a mixture of these two things in the distinctive circumstances of these big games, which I think brings these kind of these sudden collapses because and not, they don't even last that long. Like even even on Saturday, yeah, you can draw a clear line yeah. between. I mean, on Saturday, City conceded three goals in 16 minutes. In the Liverpool Champions League game, it was three goals in 19 minutes. When they lost four-three to Liverpool in January, it was three goals in nine minutes. So that it's not even just that they're getting outplayed over long periods. It's mm. that as soon as one thing goes wrong, the whole thing collapses. I think it, like Miguel said, I think it. It's almost like Guardiola teams, because they're built up to be so perfect. Mm. You, as soon as one small thing goes wrong, it's like a house of cards and everything collapses. Exactly, yeah. it does feel like a piece of like perfect, uh, exquisite artistry, and, and then as soon as it falls apart, it takes a little bit of time to get it back together, almost. Yeah, it's like the players. It's like they're one thing you can say about City is that as good as they are in kind of boxing terms, they've got a sort of glass jaw. Mm. Like if something goes wrong, then it. I mean, the whole thing. It's a. It's a mess. It's like it's like the players because they're so used. I wonder if like psychologically because they're so used to dominance and control and always mm. having the ball. Once they concede once, it kind of it, it just scrambles their heads. Like oh, what's this? It's like a, a glitch in the matrix. Yeah, and we should bring in the Champions League game, I guess, for midweek if we're going to do a deep dive on City because nobody saw that coming. Liverpool's attack is is a, an impressive unit. It's mm. one of the one of the obviously one of the best attacks in Europe and. and they attack with this kind of real speed and ferocity that is difficult to defend against because it makes defenders make split seconds decisions that are in you know fundamentally in difficult positions as well and it's looking at, at that tie you're thinking it, it's quite even but Liverpool might get a lead in the first leg and then yeah. was it three goals in 30 minutes they absolutely well, blow actually, them away on a three goals in 30 minutes was it 20 even I have to go what, back to the stats. In the Liverpool Yeah, in terms of kind of the gap between the first goal and the third. 19, 19 minutes. Well, that's incredible. And going back to, say, Bayern 2015, now some of this was down to Messi being brilliant, but I think that 3 0 defeat, I think Messi's yeah, first so goal was 71, was it? Yeah, so I, I was actually ju- just looking this up. The 2015 semi final, Bayern conceded three goals in 13 minutes. Yeah. The 2014 semi final, Real Madrid second leg, they conceded three goals in 18 minutes. That is astonishing. Yeah. Oh, those numbers, I mean, the numbers you've got there, they do tell a story, don't they? There is. You should, you should do something on that. <laughs> yeah, that's Jack's afternoon sorted. Um, <laughs> well, Pep actually Pep mentioned the 2015 semi-final in the um, uh, speaking on Saturday evening after after the game in his in his press conference for the Monday papers. So clearly, it's something which plays on his mind as well. Um, he knows that his teams do have that fragility. Um, the interesting thing, I guess, is like, what could he do to stop it? Like, how how do you solve that? I mean, because we've seen a lot of like quite reactive commentary in the last day or two saying oh you know as if like this is kind of proven the case against Pep and that if he had 
you know, re- remember that stupid fuss last year about he doesn't train tackles, and the, the yeah. suggestion being that if he Why did tackles, if yeah, he did yeah. train tackles, then City would somehow be better, which is bollocks, yeah. obviously. But now all the kind of training tackles lot are saying, ah, oh, if you'd only train tackles, then you might not have avoided the, avoided these problems, um, which I think is probably wrong because like. Ultimately, his method his methods have been vindicated this season. Yeah. Although we have to, you know, equally we have to acknowledge that when it does go wrong, it goes very, very wrong. Yeah. Well, look, they they could. I I mean, I still think they're a good enough team. We've got a whole season worth of evidence here that they are a good enough team to turn it round against Liverpool. Mm. Liverpool are a defence that has capitulated before. They're going to be without Jordan Henderson. I think the hard thing here is is stopping Liverpool scoring, obviously. But and, and Klopp has got historically a decent record against Guardiola compared to some others. And I also think that Klopp has got into Guardiola's head. I think the fact is that Guardiola, I mean, you could argue that this awful week started with Pep picking the wrong team for the Liverpool first leg on Wednesday, where... And to to your credit, you did pick that out before the game, you know? Where he played four midfielders, which he's... The only other time he's done that this year was for the League Cup final... uh, where again City didn't play very well, but clearly he would only have gone for four midfielders and dropping Sterling and dropping Bernardo if he thought that he needed to do something different from his normal to stop Klopp. And now, like his whole, like Pep's whole philosophy is based on I play my way every mm-hmm. single game, home and away, whoever the opponent. Mm-hmm. And so for him to make that big compromise shows that Klopp's got to him. And it also, sh- and I think you could kind of see that filter through to the players. Like the players didn't really know what to do. They looked nervous. They looked anxious. They lost every 50 50. So clearly Klopp has got to Pep a bit. But um, I wonder whether, therefore, he, like, they will be able to kind of regain that sort of confidence going into the second leg. Got a lot of respect for Klopp, the way that he has beaten Guardiola over the years it, with, with less resources. Yeah. But he's done it in different ways. Like, this was not the same way that, for example, he sprung that big surprise on Bayern when he was at Dortmund, where yeah. they basically played long ball with 20% possession and, and picked them off um, because they you know, they realised that Bayern was such a compressed unit high up the field that they could just keep just bombing diagonals over the top and, and keep just two players high. That wasn't what they did the other day. So... Klopp has shown actually a bit more tactical now than I think most people give him for. I think most people assume because he's this kind of wild, uh, bearish German man that he's and he's a bit quirky. That he's more about motivation and, and yeah. keeping the players on side. And the players clearly love him, but he do ha- he does have that little extra tactical nows. I think we've touched on this before, but there's actually quite, I think there's quite a lot of snobbery even from other top managers. Yeah, well, Klopp. I've heard yeah. that as well. That they, they think he's a motivator. Yeah, twice I've been in a pre- Germany and Holloway. Twice I've been in a press conference with Pochettino and a journalist has said to Pochettino, uh, always ahead of a Spurs-Liverpool game, do you see any comparisons between the way you play and the way <laughs> Liverpool play? And he's like, what? No. Like, <laughs> you play in a completely different way. And it obviously, like you can tell that it's got to him a little bit. Yeah. And I know, I, you know, you kind of, I've heard anecdotally that this is the case yeah. with other managers yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Completely. The, the one thing actually about all this as well, City don't need to get through to save their season because obviously they've still won a league and or they will win a league and League Cup double. But they do need to kind of almost save the, the FA Cup. No, no, they went out oh, to Wigan. No, sorry, yes. uh, um, they do need to kind of save the almost the, the climax of the season. How it's you know the feeling around it because it it is quite a team that had been talked up as potential record breakers, one of the best ever. And now it's kind of it could end with them kind of limping to the line a bit. Is next year the last year of his contract? Yes, they, they, they expect him to. They expect him to extend in the summer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so more than fourth, so yeah. he'll do more than three. But it just it would just be interesting because if you do go into that third season off the yeah. back of a like, you know it's not been a disappointing campaign, but it would be a disappointing mm-hmm. end to the campaign. Yeah. So that sours the note slightly, and then you're moving into what 
could have been potentially according to his contract the, the final season yeah. and then all the question marks that come with that and mm. it looks like they're going to avoid it though yeah. Sp- speaking to that I was thinking the other day like if you know let's say City do get over the line mm. they, go, they go out to Liverpool they get over the line they get you know a really good points total this year but not like 100 points mm. next year perhaps the last year of Pep's contract you'd have to say that it's statistically unlikely that City will be as good next year as they have been this year like they won't they probably won't get 95 points again let, do you, I, I don't know I was thinking about this I mean it was just before Arsenal played Bayern in the Champions League last year that uh, Bayern gave us Robin to interview. And this is when things were going well for Pep. And I was actually looking at the, looking at the quotes the other day when I was doing my big, uh, my big piece in preparation to launch for when they finally win the title. Mm. Uh, but one of them was like, Robin was really kind of um, insisting the point that, no, we actually got better every year with Guardiola because you just you understand what he wants to do on a deeper level. And I think combined with that, that is actually a really, really young team. De Bruyne is their best player and he hasn't even hit his prime yet. Uh, you know, Sané and Sterling are kind of one of the... Phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, like also Gab- all these, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, who, who's, who's kind of... They'll get younger in midfield, won't they? Fernandinho, they'll, they'll get... Yeah, the big get, one is Fernandinho and David Silva yeah, as well. Yeah, but uh, Silva, you, you get the sense that he, given that role, he could probably play as a kind You of can a, leave him in there as a plug and play yeah, sort of yeah. guy. Like, you know, he doesn't... He, you, Basically, you can give him the spelling that he needs. You can give him the days off that he needs, and he's still going to come in, mm. and he'll be perfectly within the system, and he's going to perform. He feels like yeah. that sort of player. Do you not think that the overwhelming thing from Manchester City and people kind of not pissing on their season a little bit, but certainly playing down the success of the season is if you just watch football, if you just watch, yeah. it's impossible to watch a Manchester City game and not realise that he's done an incredible job. Yeah, there. completely. I mean, because because they look like. And I, I look, I think back to actually not even big wins in terms of scoreline, but the games against Chelsea this season, who are the defending champions. I don't know they've they've come down a bit, but the way that his team completely suffocated strong, strong sides like that. Yeah, you just watch them play, and, and you know he's put this on from the previous manager. Like they they were good before. Manchester City were great before under Mancini, under Pellegrini and stuff, but they didn't look like this. Mm-hmm. This is not the same as anything we've seen before in the Premier League. And it's one of the most dominant kind of Premier League sides we've we've ever seen in terms of what they can do in terms of possession numbers and and just completely controlling a game of football. So even if they only win the the League Cup double mm-hmm. this year, is that not still an immense success? Given that what he's imparting on this team is far greater than yeah. Well, ultimately, I mean, some of it comes down to kind of when you have your form as well. I mean, say had they had this half of the season in August December. And January to May was that form from yeah, yeah. From up until the first. But we're not even talking about a half of the season. Yeah, yeah. this half of the season, we've had, it's been like a bad second half against United and a bad first. Yeah, half that's true. Really in fact, that that run halves of matches. That, that run of wins alone was half a season. Well, yeah, it was yeah, eighteen yeah. games and then the draw, which, which is incredible. Like, but on, on as regards to the point as well about maybe getting whether it get better or worse next season or how much it can go, it is worth remembering actually that. His third season at Barca, even though he didn't win the cup, it was only a double rather than a treble. There, the football was yeah. was off. And I guess what's worth bearing in mind with with this as well, and also the possibility of Pep staying for a fourth year, is that Pep and his staff see the first season, that is last season, as a minus one season mm. rather than their first year, because obviously they had, you know, Sanya Zabaleta Kolarov, mm-hmm. like heart mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. issues in goal they had so many issues with the squad they couldn't really get them to do what they wanted and so that makes this year year one effectively and that me that I think is basically the justification for the possibility of oh, staying okay. for a fourth season because they think that only 
I mean, in their terms, it's really only the third season. That's very interesting. I think the um, there, there is an element of this. Like, when I when I think about what you were saying about playing well at the right time, I was thinking about Real Madrid because they just seem to do this. Yeah. And, and with Guardiola, Guardiola is almost he, Guardiola is about philosophical greatness. He's about uh, he want what he wants is the consistency from playing with his perfect philosophy every week. That's what he desires. Whereas Real Madrid almost embody situational greatness like they come up in the big big moments that that is their philosophy almost you know it is winning when it matters now they, there is the big thing about Asigana mm. Madrid you know it's, it's all about oh, that we play football the right way and all, all this sort of stuff but that's not actually the case you know they play nice football because they have had good players but the biggest thing to Real Madrid is winning mm. far more than any sort of addiction to a philosophy which is what you get with Guardiola right yeah is that fair to say yeah completely yeah and, yeah. and we should touch on you were at Real Madrid Juve yeah uh, just give us a couple of takeaways from that what do you think um, Ronaldo pretty good <laughs> yeah uh, that was like the best goal I've ever seen live I think well certainly did you by the way did you see it or were you like writing at the time no I actually saw it which is good because I had been I think I just thing is it had come just after the breakdown of a chance where Chiellini and Buffon kind of ran into each other. Ronaldo mm-hmm. took the ball and then went wide and then passed to Vasquez. So there was like 10 to, yeah, like, let's say 10 to 12 seconds of action just before then. So you were like tuned in to yeah. watch it. It wasn't completely out of the blue. Sometimes when you get a real stunner yeah. from nowhere. Right, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I missed like, the Hammers Rodriguez one, Colombia, Uruguay, and Maracanã. Yeah, yeah. I, I caught the ball bouncing off the crossbar downwards, oh, yeah. but yeah, yeah. the actual strike. I, 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 ju- I just look up for that goal, actually. <sighs> just about got it. Um, but one but thing actually on the kind of nexus of like quality and importance, I think that was definitely the best goal I've ever seen. Really? Like, yeah, like Champions League quarterfinal yeah. away from home at Juventus. Yeah, no, it was. And then to impressive. see those and to see those fans clapping. I mean, like given you know without going into too much detail, everything we know about what like how win- important winning is to Juventus. Yeah, yeah. And what they've done to win over the years. Like then it's well not, phrased. Well, yeah. well, 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 and then for those yeah. fans to be like standing there and be like, fair enough, you deserve this one. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's a big deal. The thing about it actually as well in terms of that, how they were defeated, it's it's interesting in light of what Chiellini said after the last 16 game about Spurs, you know, this is just their history and you know, history matters and all this. And yeah, pretty much in this game, okay, there is a history where they've beaten Real Madrid, Real Madrid in, in previous knockouts, but... Real Madrid are the team with the true history in this competition, whereas Juventus are actually... They've got inferiority complex. You really do. I mean, for, for, you know, Italy's great winners are basically Europe's great losers. They've lost the final more than anyone else. They, they uh, call it the... I'm not, I'm not going to... I mean, I can't remember the Italian word, but they call it like the, the, the maledizione, like mm-hmm. the curse of the mm-hmm, Champions League because mm-hmm. they've only won it Tw- twice. And, 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 and one of those finals. Asterisk. Yeah, well, one, one was, uh, was Heisel, obviously, which said they... I think that in 96... They said that they couldn't. They couldn't celebrate in fair enough. So they saw '96 as the first one, and then within two years, '96. Pretty asterisk as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There was a, the core yeah. case about what exactly went on at the club. I actually thought Juve were terrible in that game. Like they were, like they were really bad at the back. Like they were all over the place. They conceded so many like, chances and half chances. Big question marks over Buffon and Chiellini. Well, I and mean, they, they imagine they sold Bonucci last year. Yeah, they missed Pjanic midfield. Mm. They kind of. Uh, and then Dybala and Higuain were really sloppy in the final third. Like people always talk about Juve as being like they're all about efficiency and details and getting over the line, but they were really sloppy and weak. And um, like I guess the bigger question is, do we back Real Madrid to go to three in a row? Hard not to, but first three in a row for what thirty years? The thing ago? with them, the thing with them uh, is just performances just don't matter. Like yeah. they never. <laughs> yeah. Like 
I've sat through so many Real Madrid games where they were poor. Yeah, and yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo, comma, who did not do much for the first <laughs> yeah, 15 yeah, minutes, yeah. comma. <laughs> like, <laughs> the amount, Despite like, his two wonder goals. It's more, it's more normal now to write about him not playing well, but yeah. scoring two goals. Because he's just... They've built a team almost around that. Is where you've got probably one of the most efficient finishes yeah. the game has ever seen. It's almost like they're actually... this, And this is probably true in so many senses, but they are... The ultimate distillation, the extreme of what a super club is, and that they've got they've got so much wealth, they can buy so many top class players that ultimately they have a critical mass of quality. So no matter what is happening, they can they'll eventually just produce and then have a, like probably the greatest goal scorer of all time and Ronaldo make some difference. Not, think, the, not, not the greatest player though. But, you know, I, just, I saw that. Just I to mean, emphasise that. Like they weren't that good against Atletico Madrid yesterday in, mm. the, in, in the derby, and, and they don't. You know, they they go through this part of the season not being that you know the league the league's done forget yeah. it you know they're out they got knocked out of the Copa del Rey by Leganes like they, mm. this season has been a bit of a, a wash and, and you know they've got this huge rebuild plan for the summer but they could still go into that as three-time back-to-back European champions which has never been done they've never yeah. even been done twice has it so it, it's a peculiar one um what was the other oh, Barcelona Roma Barcelona are, well, I, I think I still think Barcelona will win it I think I think do you think Barcelona beat Real well, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's interesting because Valverde came in and there was a lot, you know, think, think back to last summer, what we were saying about mm. Barcelona and, and the question marks surrounding that club. Bit of a mess. They're going mm. and spent all that money on Paulinho and, and Ernesto Valverde, as good a job as he did um, in Bilbao mm. with Athletic, not necessarily a manager that people would, had pegged for the European elite. And, he, and what he's done is just pretty trouble-free, walked La Liga. Over a Real Madrid side that were two-time well, European there's, champions. There's two things. There are two reasons I think they're going to win it. First of all, I think Messi is on 2014-15 style form. That he's just on an on a, he's but ridiculous. We've seen him do this before. Like, mm. He has these stretches every season, every single season. But, about 20 games where he looks like he's playing a different sport to everyone else. Mm. And and he's in that now. He's, yeah, he's yeah. in it now, which is the best time to be in it. I, I completely get. But, but be, be, like basically, I think more than any other under, more than any other period, bar when he was at Guardiola. Or when he's with Guardiola, he has a structure that completely suits him, but it's a different to Guardiola's structure. And I think that this is key because that is a really, really solid team. And that solidity combined with what Messi can do to you give, give, like, just gives Barca such, a, <laughs> such, an, such an advantage. It, for the Valverde Champions is one of the more interesting guys. It, in fact, it's, actually, it's actually a bit of an inverse of recent history because there's probably an argument that, that Barca are the most solid and defensively rigorous team left in the competition. Yeah, no, I'd probably go with that. Yeah. If you look at what what he's done with that team is kind of basically a four four two, and and Messi has played in his career basically almost exclusively in four three threes, mm. and then occasionally they've doubled in the three four three or whatever. But you know there was a time when he was the false nine, and then there was a time when he was playing from the right, and then there's time where he's kind of floating in midfield, and then now he's got this new role in, in what's essentially a four four two. Yeah, it's quite interesting. That I think despite there's been no doubts about his greatness, he actually has been more flexible in terms of his position than than many other players with that talent would be because you just put them at, I don't know, say number 10, mm. for example. But it's almost the idea of you're u- trying to use him in the areas where you're going to get him in the most one-on-one situations, the most dangerous situations. Mm. Um, but I do I do think there's also an interesting thing surrounding this Barcelona team. A lot of those pieces have stayed the same. The core of that team has stayed the same. Busquets, Iniesta, Piquet, uh, Messi, all the guys. They've had the first season of a, a coach so if Valverde wins the Champions League Luis Enrique won the Champions League in his first yeah. season Guardiola won the Champions League in his first season obviously Tata Martino was a bit of a, a freak out but 
Do you think it's something to be said that when you've got a bunch of players this good, sometimes they just need a fresh voice completely. That, that completely changes how they play? And that, that, to an extent, that's happened with um, with Real Madrid and, and Zidane and, and all this. And, I mean, and I think it particularly explains maybe the drop-off in the uh, in the league for, for Real Madrid this season. And we'll, we will see what happens in the Champions League. But there is a sense with some, with some like, again, it comes back to the, the super clubs. They've got such a critical mass of quality players that it almost becomes about... I think Beckenbauer said this about his Bayern team in the 70s. That they, 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 they had such a... They, they had so many good players and were such a unit that what they didn't really need was a manager because they, they were almost self-managing. They needed a psychologist just to kind of keep keep that thing up. Now, Valverde's obviously done more than that. But I think I think that's definitely an element. And, and I think this that's probably... It is one of the things you keep hearing about Zidane. That you, like, you ask people who worked under him, Real Madrid players, what's so good about him? And they can't put their finger on it. They just say, oh, the aura. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Well, that's basically been the success of Carlo Ancelotti. Mm. Winning the double at Chelsea, winning the Champions League at Real Madrid. Yeah, like sometimes you just sometimes they were four seasons as well, weren't they? Yeah, sometimes you just need a light touch. Sometimes the best players need a kind of light touch manager yeah. rather than a kind of you know Conte, Pochettino, Mourinho, Guardiola style kind of uh, organizer and planner. Yeah, but actually on, on that, just back, go back to Guardiola. You do wonder sometimes whether, I mean, in relation to what you were saying about how it's just they kind of lost their way. Um, one of the negatives of of Guardiola's management, even though they have. An overwhelming amount of positives, but one potential negative is you do wonder whether players get a bit kind of not drained, but it's like say the amount of preparation that goes into a game against Watford, say whether that isn't draining, but they become kind of almost dependent on that, on that level of preparation. Then when something goes wrong, I do know that at some points uh, there was one point around Christmas where for I think for the first time under Pep. Pep went in to his players before the game and said, "Look, guys, you know what to do now. Okay, I don't have to, we don't have to tell you what to do for this specific game. I think that was kind of a function of the Christmas calendar and only having like two days between matches. Yeah. Um, but you're right in general. I think that that like there is a mental fatigue that sets in with Guardiola. I think we saw that in the, certainly in the fourth mm. season in his fourth season at Barcelona, and that will eventually happen at City. And then that's why, generally speaking, manic clubs will re- replace the most intense managers yeah. with the least intense managers. Yeah. That's why." You know, it's why we're expecting Chelsea to go from the very intense Conte to the very relaxed Allegri this summer. Mm. And it's why Juventus made exactly that same change in 2012 or 2014. Mm. 2014. Do, do we think if Allegri goes to Chelsea, then Juve might go and pick up Sarri? That could be an interesting... That'd be depressing. Depressing not enough in the sense, like... Like, Depressive for uh, competition. Really. As, as, yeah. soon, as soon as any sort of opposition, oh, once again, we'll take Napoli's, but yeah. But imagine yeah. if you yeah. actually played nice you. football. It would be yeah. like the equivalent of, um, Bayern. of Bayern signing yeah. Gertz and Lewandowski. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, gutting for the league, basically, in terms of competitive nature. 
Um, is there any... Well, I guess we haven't really discussed Liverpool that much. What do we think Liverpool... You know, I still think City can... Can, can Liverpool win the Champions League? Yeah, exactly the question. I think City can come back in, in the second leg, but I think, obviously, Liverpool are overwhelming favourites. Do we think Liverpool can win the Champions League? Uh, for me, it's got to be yes. I think. I mean, yeah. I think all of these four teams in there are pretty flawed. I think they could. I mean, I say this having well, barely. Did, did, we, are, we are presuming then it's going to be Liverpool, Bayern, Barcelona. Well, well three of them. So I was at, I was at Severe Bayern on mm. Tuesday, and um, are Bayern any good? No, I haven't I, seen them play this. Well, yet. they weren't. Good. They they weren't good on, on Tuesday. They um, obviously they've had they've had a, an interesting season. Obviously, they only won the Bundesliga by like forty five points or whatever it is this year. Um, in the Champions League, obviously they binned Carlo earlier in the year, going through the season with an interim manager, which is always a peculiar sort of situation, but sometimes helps the players. Uh, first half an hour, that it could have been 3-0 down against Sevilla, who are, what, the sixth or seventh best team in Spain this year? So not a hugely impressive unit. Sevilla, very wasteful, missed three really good chances. Um, the game flipped on, it, it, within one minute, Arturo Vidal, who had been awful, genuinely dreadful, just like looks puffy dawdling around the field um i think his best days are already behind him but he got taken off injured so maybe i was being a bit harsh on his performance but he was he was very poor got taken off injured they brought in james rodriguez mm. a minute later they scored for a free and goal but the game's completely flipped because momentum was with Sevilla. um they were they were one nil up at home crowd really up for it. every tackle like every you know yeah, it's yeah. one of those games yeah it means a lot to them this is their first i think European Cup quarterfinal in 40 years or something yeah. like that. So they're really up for it. They get a free cone goal, which is a combination of just a deflection of Jesus Navas and the Sevilla keeper being absolute crap. Uh, and then Bayern don't really look back because they've got a lot more control with Hammers in the team. They've got an away goal already. Don't need to really worry. So Lewandowski basically did nothing. You have to say that that was a surprise considering he scored, I think, double the amount of goals of the next guy in the Bundesliga this his, year. His Bayern day is number, number. Actually, so, someone said to me, I saw it the weekend that City and Lewandowski is, is maybe one to consider. Oh, yeah, if City had someone who lethal, that would be mm. interesting. But but they just didn't look that, that good. You know, Hummels and, and Kimmich and, and Boateng made a lot of good last hitch tackles, but you shouldn't have to make last hitch tackles. They're not that defense. If you look at it, Alaba, Hummels, Boateng, Kimmich is a very good back four, but they got virtually no protection from that midfield. You do feel like they they miss Xabi Alonso, that sort of player. You know, that do you think that that defense could get exposed by Liverpool? Like Hummels is really slow. That defense would would absolutely be exposed by any of those two English teams. Uh, whoever went through, you, you've got to look at it. I mean, I, I thought Kimmich, watching him actually, I, I'd never really paid attention to him before, but I'd read a really good interview with him by um, Donald oh, McRae. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and paid attention to him. Hell of a player. Like you can tell, like. I know he doesn't like being compared to Lahm, but it's so obvious yeah. just watching him play, just a cerebral sort of fullback who could play anywhere, central midfield, central defence. Um, Hummels and Bertang, yeah, like they are recovering well from bad situations, but the reason they've been put in these bad situations are because what, what was the midfield? It was um, Vidal, who was useless, uh, Thiago, who's obviously not the most defensively minded player, and I can't remember who else, but it's not necessarily a team that's going to offer that defence a lot, um, a lot of protection. And Klopp knows Bayern. You know, Jurgen Klopp up against Bayern, you've got to think yeah, that yeah. he's going to have a real advantage there. You know, he knows he knows Jupp Heynckes. You know, he yeah. he's coached against him. And before. also, these Bayern players won't have played anyone as good as Liverpool this season because Dortmund have been such a mess. All who year. was in uh, who in Bayern's group in the Champions League? Can you remember? PSG. I was at the game. 
Uh, but they, they sacked Ancelotti. The PSG were on a different level than that night. And then in the reverse leg, which was a dead rubber, they mm. beat PSG in return. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so we haven't really seen them be be super tested. And Seville, Seville outplayed them. They were the better team, and you wouldn't rule out Sevilla doing something. But at the Allianz, which I think is is a loud stadium and a good stadium, I just can't see Bayern throwing that away. So, what do we think is the dream Champions League final? Barca Real. Mm, as, as great as a classical would be, I mean, it, it would be a classical like, would be awesome. But it would be at the end of the world in terms of kind of like what it means, and, it, too, and also. I'm still a, I still prefer kind of a, a, for a European final a game with involving teams from two two different countries. Yeah. So what's your dream final then? <laughs> um, I I don't think I want Real Madrid to win it because despite everything we said, I just it's it's quite weird. I don't think they're a good enough side to have the benchmark achievement, the gold standard achievement mm-hmm. of three in a row. Um, maybe Barca against Bayern Liverpool. Against Barca, like it. I mean, this is going to sound very biased, but. It would have City. It would have been good if City had got through. Like City yeah. have a legitimate claim to be the best team in the world, and having them in the semi-finals of the final would be great because you know we'd all like to see hmm. a City sorry, City Real Madrid or City Barcelona final, which could you know City Barcelona would be the two best teams in the world probably, whereas hmm. any other combination of those teams wouldn't be. But yeah. I mean, I guess what you what you're you're seeing potentially is the fact that the Champions League hasn't been won by the best team in Europe actually for. I mean, you could say maybe last year that Real Madrid yeah, were they the won best the league team. As well. They won the league as well, but yeah, I think it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't regularly happen where the best team in Europe wins the Champions League. You know, almost one, as one often two. as not. Yeah, right. One or two, I'd say. Yeah, you know, that, that Barcelona team under Guardiola should have won more. You, you'd, I think yeah. it's fair to say. I mean, they probably they were still. I mean, I, I still think that was actually Mourinho's best. The Mourinho one, because yeah. it was, it, that was an excellent inter team. But yeah, Barca were still a but better team. They were kind the of than everybody. It was part of kind of the greatness of Mourinho's achievement that he overcame that team. But I think Barca were still a better team than Inter that season. They should have won in 2012, really, as well. Um, they just had uh, your mate Zlatan sabotaging it in 2010, getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, Valen- <laughs> like, <laughs> if Liverpool get to if Liverpool get to a final, uh, I think it'd be interesting because. It would almost be Benitez-ish. Yeah, they're gonna probably gonna finish third or fourth, right? Realistically, they've got it in them to win the Champions League. They they could put three or four goals past any team left in the league, uh, left in the Champions League. Sorry, I just don't know. I don't know. They've obviously not got as much all-round quality as probably the other three teams that you expect to win the semi-finals. Is that fair? Just on mm. a squad level, they just haven't got. They haven't mm. got the quality. Like if Joe Gomez is starting, and I like Joe Gomez. It's not the same as having yeah. Boateng or Hummels playing centre back. And Klopp does have a bad record in finals. Oh, he does. Twenty sixteen yeah. Europa League final, twenty thirteen Champions League final, many more. Lost a lot of German Cup finals as well. Um, I think we've probably covered off the, the Champions League as much as, as needs to be. It did start as a Premier League discussion. Um, is there any other thing we should add from the Premier League this weekend? Uh, Everton Liverpool was obviously nil nil. Manchester United, as we said, came back from three two down. And we've given them very little coverage. But it's, it's quite weird how quickly the season suddenly goes from everything up in the air to then, oh, it's a bit, it's over now. Because right, despite United doing the weekend, despite all the rest of it, pretty much everything is settled by two relegation places. Yeah, uh, Arsenal could catch Chelsea in fifth, which uh, would be a, a thrilling turn of events. Huge. Uh, no, the relegation battle is interesting. Uh, no team in the bottom half won this weekend. In fact, Newcastle did win, but they went out the bottom half because of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, Rafa. 
That's getting a bit tense. And the Palace uh, at Bournemouth just just. Uh, you've seen the goal, Wilfred Zaha's goal. I haven't actually yet. No, no, I refuse to watch match of the day on Saturday so, evening. Uh, <laughs> I, but I always do that when my team uh, loses. Um, <laughs> I was on a train back. Unfortunately, this season that's meant I, I couldn't watch uh, over half of the match of the days. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Zaha um, should have won the game late on, and Bournemouth got late equaliser. Roy Hodgson didn't use a substitution and again conceded uh, a late goal with uh, points. There, there's a suggestion that the two may be linked, um, but who knows? Uh, West Brom did get a point, but they? they are still. <laughs> They are still in trouble. Three, not, not, three not, wins from 33 games. Not looking so good for the, for the baggies, is it? Uh, Stoke, uh, four losses in a row now. They are four points off safety. But yeah, they, they look, they look like, it's quite weird with Stoke because they look all right. Like, I mean, like, they look like a better team. Yeah, than they're the, not terrible, are they? No. Well, when they got level against Spurs, there was a bit of noise and you, a bit of like, yeah. you felt like they could do that. If they pulled back and, and got the win, it would have been enormous. And yeah. then Christian Eriksen just does what Christian Eriksen does. And, and Stoke do look like... I mean, they're, so they're Kane's still claiming the goal is he mm. Ericsson's down for it they're, they're further adrift than Southampton Southampton you saw yesterday Jack yeah they were they were much much better than they were when they lost 3-0 at West Ham last Saturday which was the worst performance I've seen this season <laughs> by, by any team yeah by or by any professional team okay um like you know they worked hard they defended well they played the sort of new 5-4-1 system they were good on the break uh Long was good they created chances um, you know, they went 1-0 up, then they went 2-1 down, but then they got back to 2-all. And then they had that thing at 2-all where they didn't really know, like, do we try and make the most of this momentum and push for a third, or do we sit back and take the point? They chose the former. Uh, they kind of threw bodies forward, got done on the break, lost 3-2. Hughes complained afterwards that, like, they should have just sat on the point. But you can kind of see why in that moment they were trying. Oh, w- wins mean so much down there now. Like, yeah. As you say, like this weekend where the max that any team in that relegation battle got was a point. Yeah, three right. points. You can is kind of see why they why they would take the swing and uh, of going for the win. Like I think the thing is they can get out of it. Like they're 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 good. Like they, you know, looking at the team yesterday, they had a lot of quality, experienced players like Tadic, like Tadic, Romeu, Ward Prowls, maybe Long. Um, the defense isn't so good, but but I mean Bertrand's good, Cedric's good, Shane Long back on goal scoring form. That's like five. I think they, if they went down, they would be one of the best teams to go down in the last few years. The thing about Saints really is, is that I think they had to go for it because their biggest problem this season has been they've drawn too many games. They've drawn the most yeah. games in the league. They've drawn thirteen, and you know when your whole se- when your whole season has been defined by drawing games, perhaps when you needed to win, mm. you can see why at two two with momentum you might want to go and do it. And I know momentum apparently isn't a thing, but uh, I've been to football matches before. Um, <laughs> Palace uh, are three points clear, but have played a game more than Southampton. They play Brighton next week. Uh, Brighton aren't out of it, actually, because after Palace, they then play the entire top four. Yeah, they definitely go to City, don't they? Although they've got, I mean, if those teams have got nothing to play for, then Brighton basically need a couple of draws. And they're okay. Huddersfield are the team to worry about. Their slide continues. I think you called this a while back, Jack. Um, They're on 32. Mm. Swansea... Despite the Carlos revival, they're not out of it either. West Ham got to be safe, you reckon? 34 points now. They basically need a one win from six games. Yeah. So every team up from Brighton, uh, uh, so, uh, from Watford, Bournemouth, Newcastle, they're all safe. So the relegation battle is getting smaller. Interesting point you made on the podcast the other week. This is proof that I listened. Um, <laughs> we were talking about with uh, Duncan and, and Johnny about 
relegation battles and, and how it gets exciting and stuff. Yeah. And uh, when you're planning out fixtures and uh, what you want to go to and stuff, completely the best relegation battles, the ones that go down to the final day, obviously, yeah. right? So the best I can remember, 2004, five children crying in the stands. The one you mentioned with uh, some people like that. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> Nor- Norwich Fulham, uh, the game when Norwich just yeah. uh, Norwich just needed to win to stay up, and then they bottled it and lost what six nil, whatever it was, six one. Um, six nil, yeah. But, but you're to, to create that final day but, with but, four, but like uh, it might be like so say West Brom go. <laughs> But everyone else stays in touch. You've got two spots relegation remaining. And say, like, yeah. basically, fi- it's going to be five or six into two yeah. on the final That's day. That's what you want. That's what you want. But to get that, you have to have a load of pretty meaningless dull games before because teams just keep taking points yeah, off each that's other. True, yeah. So, like, y- the game three games out won't seem like a big one. It'll be like Palace against mm. Swansea or whatever. They'll draw because that's what enables yeah, the big yeah, final yeah. day. So, we might have like a month from now of really bad Premier League football. And then of, again, of, yeah. of lots of games with very that's little fine, interest, yeah, but we'll take it. Would uh, we would we take it to yeah, go down to uh, a yeah, final yeah, day? Yeah, yeah. Where you've got Palace play West Brom at home. You've got um, Huddersfield. Um, you've got Brighton playing one of the top four for mm. sure. You know, like everyone's in the mix, and you know, two teams from five or six go down. What we really want is a final day where. At lots of points, teams think that they're safe. Or yes. like they score a goal. And oh, like, yeah. oh, no, we're definitely safe. Yeah, As yeah. things stand. Yeah. And then there'll be like a goal somewhere else and you'll see all the fans like listen. I was going to say listen to on their radio. You can hear it. That's very like, that's very 20th century. And like, they'll, <laughs> they'll find out on their phones. They're like, <laughs> oh no. And they'll all like collapse. No, yeah, yeah. There's, been a, there's been a goal at Fratton yeah, Park. Yeah. <laughs> when, when you've been... Like, Martin Tyler growling in the air. Oh, we had a goal. <laughs> and then everyone watching at home, they kind of bring up another like TV box. Yeah. And it will show like Stelios Janikopoulos bundling one in at the <laughs> When it has that, actually, it is one of those days where, for the experience, unless you're unless you are at the game that that really oh, yeah. ends up coming down to, you're better off being at home actually watching it on TV. Until you've been pure, in the away it's end, it's pure buzz. When yeah. you've been in the away end and, and you hear of a goal somewhere else, yeah. and, and basically it's this weird thing where like you just hear some like cheering from the back and it just spreads through. And no one's no, no one's sure what you're happy about. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah. I've definitely been at games before. I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, where there was like. No, sorry. This, this was in the chase for. This was in in a Arsenal versus Spurs race for fourth. I think in twenty twelve or twenty thirteen, where like a false rumor of a goal went happens around, a lot. Went around lot. the ground. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it was at the Emirates of a goal against Tottenham, or maybe vice versa. Um, it was, at, it was at White Hart Lane in two thousand and twelve. Right. Yeah, Green. that's it. That's yeah. it. When when Arsenal were away to Newcastle. Yeah, and there was a false rumor yeah. of a Newcastle goal. Yeah, so yeah. we want some um, some fake news. Yeah, of uh, <laughs> goals so it was AVB's peak. That was. Yeah, uh, that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think it probably is going to come down. Uh, you could Are we allowed to say who we want to go down? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Just have to justify it. You can say what you want um, <laughs> legally. I think. Well, I think that. I think that Huddersfield deserves to stay up because of David Wagner, because of the job that he's done. Overachieving, yeah. Unless uh, you're wearing a cap today, actually, like David so Wagner. He's probably a big WWE fan himself. <laughs> uh, West Brom, down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, fine. So there's two spots. Southampton, 27. Stoke, 28. Palace, 31. Huddersfield, 32. Swansea, 32. We'll leave West Ham out of it. From, from a sensationally selfish perspective, I want... All the teams who are the most difficult for me to get to, to go so down. Certainly, what Swansea and Huddersfield. <laughs> Swansea, yeah, probably. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been to Huddersfield this season, been to Swansea once. Um, actually, that, that would just mean I want all London clubs there. That's, up, a, that's a, biff on, it's a biff on the nose for those who say Palace is difficult to get to. Um, Stoke, <laughs> actually, surprisingly easy to get to from, from you as well, Miguel, because it's a direct train from Houston. Yeah. Um, Not too bad, actually. 
I, I do think, looking at this, I, I think uh, Swansea is the team I'm worried about because... They've had, they've had their boost they had, now. Yeah, they had that. You know, uh, Fortunately, Carlos didn't have Gary Megson in there stealing his new manager bounce. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is an Alan Pardew reference if no one got it. Um, but I think that's pretty much... Oh, uh, Chelsea West Ham, any thoughts on that, by the way? Chelsea the way Conte's what, what going is, out... What is the point? I predicted one all on TalkSport 2 yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. That game. Will the Brags ever stop? Um, this week, you're at which game? I'm at Liverpool City tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Madrid prediction? event is on Wednesday. Prediction, prediction. I think 3-1 City and they're going out. Okay. 3-1 City. Yeah. So, 2-0 uh, nil, nil up, the stadium's buzzing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Away goal <laughs> punctures it. Away goal punctures it. They get a third, so they need, then they need two more. Yeah. Okay. It would be funnier if City get too early on, uh, like control the whole game, then get a third in about 60 minutes. Then they're pushing and pushing and pushing. Yeah. And like they keep on hitting the post or goal disallowed. And then a kind of like on 85 minutes, almost like a kind mm. of Fernando Torres at the New Camp style goal where Liverpool just hoofed yeah, on the pitch yeah, and yeah. Salah runs, runs into an empty it, half. In terms of the potential excitement of the game, I think quite like, I mean, because you would often consider 3 0, that's, that's too big, but that actually makes it in, in a way all the more interesting because then there's all these sort of dynamics oh, can City get an early goal? If they get an early goal, how do Liverpool respond? In a way that Real's 3 0 win is not interesting at all. Agu- <laughs> yeah. Aguero fitness, by the way. Aguero going to be back for this? Uh, I, th- I think he will be back, yeah. Do you reckon he'll play? Yeah, Aguero, Gabby, Sterling, Sane, De Bruyne, Silva, Bernardo, the whole, the I'd whole say gang. Sane, Aguero, Sterling is the front three. I think I think City will be bang City will be bang up for this, mm. and they'll come out flying. And I think they probably will score a few early on. But I think ultimately, like the margin. See, this, for City in that sense, this is like imagine how pumped they're going to be to go. Right, we we have to, especially people like company in there, and the way the game ended. See how enraged they were. The United yeah. game, they they they'll want to really make a point here. Uh, Madrid Juventus is probably not the game you you hoped it would be when we booked Why the flights. Why are you going? Quite, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we've paid now. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. The thing is, as well, like it's a stupid question. This is the guy who flew to Barcelona for the second leg of Barca PSG last year, and it was what five one. Oh, or yeah, whatever. true. Actually, you know, yeah. like the reason you go to these games is because yeah, yeah. if if he didn't go now, can you imagine what he'd be like on Thursday or yeah. even Wednesday night? Yeah. <laughs> he'd just be inconsolable if he missed the greatest comeback <laughs> of all time. That you, yeah. and would there be anything sweeter than being at the Bernabeu when Real Madrid throw away a 3-0 yeah. victory in the first leg? It would be I, I, I was talking to Kieran Canning about this actually a reason we talked about like in terms of in terms of arrogance like clubs or whatever how the fans feel and all oh. that at Bayern Real last season that game was really in the mix and it was just before kind of Ronaldo had even kind of scored the goals and got them back. And it looked like Bayern were going to knock them out. <laughs> yeah, like, you know where the, where the international media are put for those games where yeah. you're kind of in front of loads of fans. And all the deal, you know, these kind of 50-year-old blokes behind us kind of, of course they're not going to lose. We're Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> like, just the, the other, absolutely no doubt whatsoever. No, no, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> what game are you at next weekend, Premier League? Spurs City, I suppose. Saturday. Spurs City, oh yeah, okay. Are we, are we both of that, are we? No. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm going to... CSK Moscow against Arsenal this week. Oh, big trip to Thursday Russia at uh, CSK's very nice stadium, which is not being used for the World Cup, but it is um, it is a good ground. They're they're quite an interesting team CSK because they used to be good, but then they their money seems to have dried up, and now they're not they're terrible, and they've got the same old defensive have for literally twenty years. Very interesting interview with CSK midfielder Bibas Nacho, the first Muslim to captain Israel, first in fact non-Jewish player to to captain Israel. That's on the website uh, if you're looking for something eclectic. Also on the website today, an investigation into uh, the links between Bayern Munich and Qatar. And also 
uh, a fascinating piece on the history of football war and Kosovo by Robert O'Connor on the anniversary of the Kosovo War. Uh, and with that eclectic mix, uh, I would like to thank this eclectic bunch of people in the room. Jack Pitbrook, thank you for coming in. Thank you, Ed. I've loved it. Uh, Miguel, thank, thank you. you. Um, and from me, I guess, uh, uh, that's it. Yeah, so uh, as always, uh, subscribe, rate and review the podcast for us. Uh, do we give do you give away those books in my absence? Oh. Um, no. Okay, no, we've, got, we've got a few books to give away um, and uh, we'll be doing that shortly. So one of those is uh, Guillaume Balaguer's uh, Mauricio Pochettino book that is signed. Uh, we've got Two Tribes by Tony Evans, a book on the history of, of Liverpool and its two football clubs. And society, really. It's, it's as much a history and society book, book um, that delves deep into, into Liverpool as a city, which is, which is fascinating. And uh, Tom Williams' book, uh, Do You Speak Football? I think it's called, which is all about the kind is of it, the linguistic in, variety. Yeah, yeah no, I've, got it, I've got it on, oh, yeah. on my desk. Uh, so you can read that in a second. Uh, the lucky winner, after reviewing our podcast uh, with a nice little message, can also read that soon. So uh, until then, uh, this has been the Indie Football Podcast. I've been Ed Malian. Uh, sayonara. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.